I ended up making a lot of money from Moomoo. I made $15,000 just from Moomoo referrals. And that is highly unusual for just one company, one churn to make that much money. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 56 of The Daily Churn. Today is going to be a big episode. It's the one covering all of 2024, along with the December recap. So we'll be tallying all the churns that I did across the whole year with credit cards, banks, brokerages, discounts, meal kits, uh, freebies, cell phones, all of those added together. Plus, as is sort of tradition now, I think I've done it for the last couple of years, at the end of the episode, I'm going to do a little recap of how the podcast itself is doing. I know some folks are interested on like, how many listeners do you have and like subscribers and all that stuff. So definitely stick around till the end because I'll also have a special announcement that you definitely don't want to miss if deals and the private discord is something that you've been interested in. But on my end, quick update on what I've been up to. So I took a month off from podcasting over the holidays to do a bit of travel. My wife and I just got back from the Miraval, Arizona, which I may end up doing a dedicated episode on it because it is one of our favorite Hyatt hotels. It's so underrated. No one talks about it. And I think it's one of the best values out there in the program, at least domestically. So I won't get into it too much here since that was a January trip and maybe I'll talk about it more in the next episode. But for December, we also went to the Andaz Mayacoba in Mexico. And that's also one of our favorite Hyatt hotels. We've been there quite a few times and we were there for New Year's with a few of our Churner friends. And uh, yeah, it did not disappoint. It was uh, just a really chill trip and we had a great time there. A lot of globalist benefits because my friend booked it all using guest of honor status. So we were able to get free breakfast and upgrades and all that good stuff. The only main wrinkle was actually just arriving into Cancun Airport because Andaz Mayacoba, it's kind of near Playa del Carmen. So you fly to Cancun first. But, you know, if you've ever flown to Mexico, you know, the airport experience on arrival is kind of crazy, right? Like you, as soon as you exit the terminal, you're bombarded by, I think what's known as the taxi mafia, like 100, 200 people trying to sell you taxis. So you probably also know that the move is to pre-book a shuttle and a really popular service is USA transfers. So we did all of that. We had a shuttle pre-booked, but where things went wrong was that we were traveling over New Year's and apparently Cancun Airport is experiencing crazy traffic right now. And so when we arrived, aside from the 200 people bombarding you, you know, that's fine. I, I can I can handle that. It was that there were also 20 plus guests of USA transfers waiting for their shuttle who had been waiting for over three hours. And there was only one USA transfers shuttle rep that was, you know, has his iPad and 20 people screaming at him. Cause you know, some of these people had kids, babies. I mean, they were not happy. And so it was a, a pretty chaotic way to start our vacation. But luckily, as you guys know, from the last post I did on the optimizers curse, I'm an optimizer. You know, it was a choice between do I want to wait three hours for a shuttle that may or may not come because all the shuttles were stuck in traffic, or do I want to take one of these taxis? There was a lot of taxis around and potentially just get completely ripped off. I'm curious, what would you have picked? Which one would you have gone with? 
On my end, I went with option number three, which was neither of those, and kind of just started chatting with the people in line, you know, these these 20 guests. And I was just like, hey, you know, where are you guys going? Are you going south towards Playa del Carmen? And it turns out like at least half of these people were. So I was like, any chance you guys want to share one of these shuttles, you know, just pulling out the the old any chance you could trick from, uh, I think, episode 44 on how to ask for more. But this is a really chill process because, you know, one of the easiest any chance you could questions I've ever posed because immediately everyone's just like, yes, I will 100% share a shuttle with you. I don't care that I booked a private shuttle. Just get me out of this airport. And so quickly, like a group of 10 or 12 people had formed around me being like, let's just all cram into the next shuttle that comes. And we did, you know, the shuttle made like four or five stops and we all got to our hotel. But part of me was also kicking myself because I promised myself that I'm not going to optimize on this trip. I was going to be a chill New Year's vacation and I couldn't help myself. But I think the lesson here is that you have to pick and choose your battles. You know, sometimes optimizing is worth it even on vacation because it saves you potentially three hours waiting in line for a shuttle that you'd pre-booked. So Luckily, the rest of the trip was super relaxing. We all had a really great time and a really great New Year's, and hopefully you did as well. But excited to be back and excited to get into the 2023 recap because 2023 turned out to be a pretty amazing year for churning. And I've been waiting all year to finally tally everything up and see just how big of a year it was. And even I'm pretty impressed by how things went. So for those of you that are new, though, just a quick reminder that you can find everything we talk about today in the recap in the live churn tracker at the dailychurnpodcast.com slash tracker. It shows everything that I'm churning in real time along with data points and links and all of that good stuff. And there's also a newsletter you can sign up for so that you get notified when one of these new episodes comes out. So definitely check it out if you haven't yet. But for now, let's get back into the December and end of year recap. Starting with credit cards, the big one that I've been working on for the last couple months is the Capital One Business Venture X card. And that took a while because it required $30,000 of spend to get 150,000 Capital One points, which is worth $1,500 when you redeem it towards travel. The card also earns a base two points per dollar of spend. So spending $30,000 will get you at least another 60,000 points. So it ends up being like 210,000 points as a bonus, which is pretty awesome. I mean, that's a pretty high bonus if you can meet the spend. If you're stuck on spend, definitely check out some of the past deals that I posted. You know, buying groups and bank funding are a couple great ways of hitting spend. But on my end, I'm happy to say I'm finally done with that spend. And I won't count it for the 2023 recap because I just finished it in January, like a week or two ago. But I did want to mention, though, that it's a card that has technically no limit. It's a charge card. But for me, it did finally just start declining around $13,000. And it just basically said, hey, pay off some of this card if you want to keep putting spend on it. So that's one nice part about the Capital One card is that they actually do advise you to cycle the quote unquote credit limit because there is no credit limit during one billing cycle. Generally, you try and avoid that with credit cards where, you know, 
if they give you a $5,000 credit limit, they don't really like to see that you spend $5,000 on it, pay off the $5,000, then immediately spend another $5,000 all within the same cycle. That can sometimes even lead to your card getting closed. But in the case of this Capital One card, because it's a charge card that doesn't have a limit, they are very much cool with you paying off the card so that you can keep spending on the card. I've yet to see any data points of anyone running into any issues with that, and that's something I did as well to just try and hit the spend a little quicker. One nice feature they even have on the website, and I think the app as well, is you can just input how much money you plan on spending and get that amount pre-authorized so that you know it's not gonna decline. Because again, this card doesn't have a limit, so you can't really keep track of whether or not they're gonna decline you or not, but they do have the ability in the app to be like, hey, I'm gonna make a $5,000 charge. Is it gonna be approved? And if it says no, then you can just go in and pay off some money so that then it will approve you for that upcoming charge. For me, the main reason I wanted to get this card despite the $30,000 of spend that it required was one being that I just wanted to take a break from Amex and Chase for a bit, you know, just kind of let things settle. And Capital One and Bank of America, they're great in-between banks to do while you're taking a breather from the main banks. But the other bigger reason for me was just that we had a trip in December, you know, the, the Mayakoba trip that was going through Denver Airport. And Denver Airport had just opened a Capital One Venture X lounge. And that lounge is amazing. I mean, I wish it was a little bit bigger because it can get a little crowded, but in terms of just like the facilities, the hard product, everything is just super snazzy. It's like one of the best looking lounges I've been to in a while. The food quality, I think they'll get there. I think they're not used to cooking at altitude yet, so everything was dry. But outside of the food being dry, Really awesome lounge, amazing bar. I mean, just a huge selection even of like drinks and food and all that good stuff. And really wanted to check it out because I'm pretty tired of the Amex Centurion lounges. But overall, pretty pleased with it and pretty pleased I got the card. In terms of the tally for December, I won't count the bonus, the sign up bonus yet. I'll count that in January. But I did get one referral from my friend, thanks Kevin, for 25,000 points, which is worth $250. So we'll count that. The other card I've been slowly working on is the Southwest Performance Business Card. And that one actually just posted in January as well. I won't count that in, in today's episode, but basically that was to get Companion Pass for all of 2024 and 2025, which just happened. So very pleased about that. And yeah, next episode, I'll cover some of the uh, the creative ways that I was able to just using one card, get Companion Pass. So I only opened that one Performance Business Card and you know, I had to do some other things like checking out the Southwest Rewards shopping portal, which I'd never done before, but that really helped bump things over to, I think, the 135,000 point threshold needed to earn Companion Pass. But in terms of credit card bonuses that did post in December, it was the Wyndham Business Earners card that I'd opened. And that was only 45,000 points for spending $3,000. So not the best offer it's ever been. I think it's gone as high as like 75,000. But on our end, we wanted the 45,000 and just to have the Wyndham card because then we can start churning more points because the unique thing with this Wyndham card is that it earns 8x points on gas. So eight points per dollar on gas. 
So if you can spend a couple thousand dollars on gas each month, you're going to get 16,000 Wyndham points, which is great because 15,000 Wyndham points is what you need to redeem at Vacasa. And actually a correction from a previous episode, it's 15,000 points per bedroom at Vacasa. So if you find a place with zero or one bedrooms, like places that have lofts, etc., or like a living room area that you can sleep in, you can get the whole Vacasa booking for just 15,000 points per night, provided the nightly rate is $350 or lower for each bedroom. So if you book a place with two bedrooms, then it's going to cost you 30,000 points a night, and the nightly rate needs to be below $700 because it's $350 per bedroom as the cap. With two bedrooms, it's double the cap, so under $700, which it's pretty easy to find a two-bedroom rental that goes for under $700 a night. But the sweet spot, though, really is trying to find a rental that has one or less bedrooms that costs under $350 a night. And there's, you know, a few out there depending on where you're trying to go. And so that's where we're trying to use our Wyndham points on. And if you're able to find those rentals, the value is really high because if you just kind of calculate the cent per point, spending 15,000 points or rather 13,500 points because you actually get a 10% discount by having this Wyndham card when you book using points. So 13,500 points gets you $350 worth of value. And so that's 2.6 cents per point on these Wyndham points, which is really, really high for, you know, just a random hotel award program. Because if you then multiply the 45,000 points that we earned, you can get up to $1,170 worth of value from those 45,000 points. So it's a pretty lucrative offer in that sense, but then made even more lucrative by the fact that it earns eight points per dollar on gas. But then there's even a layer above that, which is that this Wyndham card allows you to status match to Caesars, the casino, which then once you do that, you can start getting free cruise offers. So a lot of people open this card just to get free cruise offers. You know, it'd be like a a five-night cruise on... Carnival Cruise Line totally comped. And while you're on that cruise, you can load up your gambling account using your credit card and meet some more spend that way. So it's a whole bag of tricks with this card. And I'll link to the Frequent Miler blog post that goes into detail about exactly what you should do to do all this status match stuff with the Wyndham Biz Earners card. I think it's one of the best cards out there right now to just get while they're still doing this status match thing because who knows when that will go away. You know, MGM just partnered with Marriott. They dropped Hyatt, so no more Hyatt to MGM status matches. But with the Marriott partnership, there also aren't status matches. So the Caesars status match is kind of a a unicorn, you know, and it may go away. So it's a great card to get. There's also a, a good episode on All the Hacks by Chris Hutchins. He covered the whole cruise thing if you're a little skeptical about cruises, which I was before that episode. And they also talk a little bit about this Wyndham business earners card. So I'll link to that episode as well in the show notes. But basically, at least for December, it was just the 45,000 Wyndham points posted from the signup bonus. Finally, on the credit cards front in December, I also got a few Chase Inc. referrals. I think I got one, P2 got a couple, and I think a couple of those were from listeners on the show. So if that was you, really appreciate you for using that Chase Inc. referral because we ended up getting 120,000 Chase points in December. 
So tallying everything up from credit cards, it was the $250 from Capital One in the form of 25,000 points, 45,000 points from Wyndham, and 120,000 points from Chase. Moving right on to banks. So the one I was working on in December was actually for my dad. I got him signed up for Wealthfront. So what happened was he sold a house, which took a long time in the current housing market, but it happened. Congrats, dad. And uh, he needed a place to park some cash. And uh, he told me during Thanksgiving that he had all of his cash just sitting in a credit union checking account that was earning 0% interest. I mean, we're talking like hundreds of thousands of dollars because this was a house. And I was like, you could just literally just make interest on this and you're going to get a couple grand of interest each month if you just move it somewhere else. And so I had him join Wealthfront. The reason being that like banks like Ally, they insure FDIC, I think up to, what is it, like 100,000 or 250,000 now. But Wealthfront insures up to like $8 million. I mean, he didn't have $8 million, but he had more than 250,000. And just in the off chance, your bank goes out of business, you want full FDIC insurance for the whole amount. And Wealthfront does that because they spread your funds out across a variety of different partner banks. On top of that, Wealthfront has 5% interest uncapped, like as much money as you want to hold there, you earn 5% interest. And you get a half percent boost if you join using someone's referral link. Now, that boost only lasts for three months. And I think the offer used to be a lot better because you could just earn an unlimited amount of these and just keep accumulating more months. But now it's capped at up to six months at a time. So really just like two referrals. So I had my dad join using a referral. He's getting 5.5%, which is really good. And I had him refer my P2 as well because we currently use Ally as our main hub and sometimes even store money in Ally too because they get like 4% and Ally's pretty easy to use. But definitely kind of considering maybe using Wealthfront as our main hub. I'm not sure how well it works as a churning hub. Maybe someone can chime in if they're using that as their main hub for churning bonuses. But yeah, we're liking it so far. And I know I'm a bit late on the, the Wealthfront train. I think people have been using Wealthfront for quite a while now. But if you want to check it out and you haven't yet, I'll have my dad's or my wife's, one of our referral links on the website at thedailychurnpodcast.com slash referrals. If you want to try joining using that and getting the half a percent boost, it's capped at two though. So I'm probably going to take that referral down and I would encourage you to just try exchanging referrals in Discord with some of the other folks if you need a referral. So that way, you know, we're not just losing that referral benefit. Next up, we have Blue Peak Credit Union. I had a bonus post there. I think it was just from referring my P2. So the Blue Peak bonus was $200 for referring someone and you each get $200. The requirements were to make a dark deposit, I think of $500. But what was weird was I referred my P2 and the $200 bonus posted for me immediately without my P2 having made the dark deposit yet. So I just got the 200 posted into my account. P2 is still working on making the $500 direct deposit. So that one, her side of it hasn't posted yet. But for whatever reason, I think they just post immediately for the person referring. And I think they've reduced it down now to like $75 instead of 200. But there's some other sign-up bonuses that I'll link to in the show notes for Blue Peak as well. If it's something that you've wanted to try, you can also hit up the Discord again to exchange referrals for Blue Peak. I've seen some people doing that. 
And in terms of meeting the bonus, I think for P2, the goal is to try Ally as the direct deposit. There really aren't any data points on DOC for what works and what doesn't because the bonus takes a few months to post and it's a newer sign-up offer. So people don't really know what works, but I'm going to try Ally. They seem pretty relaxed about posting bonuses so far. So yeah, we'll share my data point once I have that. The other nice part with Blue Peak is that they do allow a bit of credit card funding. So you can fund up to $1,500 for each account type that you open. So that's come in handy for us for meeting the Southwest Performance Business Card bonus. And yeah, it works pretty well with Chase. I think I did it with Capital One as well. That also coded correctly as a purchase. Just keep in mind that Blue Peak does manually review every application. It is a very manual process. So as always with these more manual banks, definitely would go slow and easy and be a little careful on that end and would definitely recommend getting caught up on the banks channel on Discord and, and seeing you know what kind of velocity other folks are doing. But yeah, in December, ended up getting the $200 from Blue Peak for referring my P2. I also got a couple upgrade referrals for $50 each, so $100 total there. Really appreciate you guys for using that referral link. And also $20 from Laurel Road. So I ended up getting the monthly $20 for my P2 where you deposit $2,500, withdraw $2,500 immediately using Ally to automate that and the $20 gets posted because that's part of the Laurel Road bonus program. But that's the last $20 that we'll be doing because it only goes for a year. After a year, Laurel Road only gives you $10 for doing that. And the cost of moving $2,500, it takes about a week, you know, to move the money there and then back. And in that week, that $2,500 could have been earning 5% interest. So it's almost kind of a wash of getting that $10. So I'm just not going to bother with it anymore. But if you're new to Laurel Road, definitely worth doing for that $20. So tallying all of the bank stuff up, it was the $200 from Blue Peak, $100 from Upgrade, and $20 from Laurel for $320 total in December from Bank Churns. Moving right on to brokerages, pretty light on the brokerage side. It was just a couple Webull referrals that I had gotten, and Webull was paying $100 per referral in the form of Apple stock. So ended up getting $200 worth of Apple stock. I believe the person being referred got 15 or 30 stocks. I don't remember the exact amount. Like Webull constantly changes their referral offers. So I think the one around right now is not so great. I think it's only maybe five or 10 free stocks. So you kind of want to just check if you have Webull. Sometimes they bump it up for a promotion and it actually becomes lucrative. So worth checking occasionally and always a nice surprise when I get one of these Webull referrals come in. And if that was you, really appreciate it. Finally, we have discounts and freebies. So the big news in discounts and freebies in December was that Capital One Shopping, so Capital One has a shopping extension, kind of like Rakuten or Be Frugal. They have their own one and they've been promoting it. But what they did in December was that they increased the referral offer on that to $200 per referral. So I joined back when it was like $30 and I was pretty happy to get $30. They've been slowly increasing it, but I guess they had marketing budget left over at the end of the year because they bumped it to $200. So you get $200 for joining and the person you refer gets $200. 
just for installing and using their shopping portal. So you can imagine that quickly got out of hand. I mean, some folks were exchanging that $200 referral on Discord, which was great to see that back and forth. But pretty quickly, I think folks also figured out that you can just keep making new accounts and referring yourself. And I think the highest I saw was, uh, well, I won't name names, but I think someone had like seven or $8,000 worth of referrals from all the accounts they created. So you can imagine this offer died really quickly. And now it's hit or miss as to whether or not you're getting paid out. A lot of accounts, I think, were either shut down or just weren't getting paid. But I've also seen quite a few data points of people getting their $200 or many $200. So yeah, it was a pretty sweet deal while it lasted. I think it was only up for like a few days before Capital One finally got rid of it. And not only did they get rid of the $200 referral, they've gotten rid of referrals completely. So there are no more Capital One referrals. You can still get the shopping extension and use it, but there's no money being paid out for referring anyone. I think we used up the entire Capital One referral budget forever. There is just no more shopping portal referrals anymore. So yeah, that was a fun one. Another discount that I accidentally discovered in December was actually New York Times. So I had a New York Times subscription because the Amex Platinum card gives you a $20 entertainment credit each month. And that credit can be used against things like Hulu charges and Peacock charges, but also New York Times charges. And so I've been doing a combo of Hulu Premium and New York Times because when you sign up for New York Times, they give you a special offer for a year of like $6 a month for one year. After that, it becomes $25 a month. So I was going in to cancel at the end of the year. I didn't want to pay $25 and use up all of the entertainment credit. But during the cancellation process, I think on one of the final pages, they made a retention offer. And the retention offer was even lower than the sign-up offer. So instead of $6 a month, it was offering $4 a month for New York Times for the next year. So of course, I signed up for that for another year. And so wanted to give you guys all a heads up that that's the thing, you know, if you're trying to like juggle where to distribute your credits or if your New York Times is expiring under the sign up offer, just go in to do the cancel thing and get it for even cheaper. And that way you can still use your credit primarily for like, you know, ad free Hulu or Peacock if that floats your boat. But for us, you know, ended up saving $24, so $2 a month by doing the retention offer because my plan was just to cancel and then have P2 sign up with a new sign up offer for $6, but didn't have to. So saved that $24 from New York Times in December, then Chipotle, or I guess <laughs> Chipotle. I mean, so my P2 has had a running joke for like over a decade of calling Chipotle Chipotle, and now I can only say Chipotle. But anyways, Chipotle... <laughs> Chipotle was doing a gift card offer of $50 for 15% off, so $42.50. So ended up getting one of those because we go there quite frequently. So ended up saving $7.50 on Chipotle gift cards in December. On the topic of gift cards, also bought a Lowe's gift card because they were giving a $10 gift card if you buy a $50 Lowe's gift card. So a 20% bonus, which is about as good as it gets for Lowe's. It's pretty easy to find Lowe's gift cards at a 10, 15, sometimes even a 20% discount, but 20% is kind of rare. Sadly, this one was capped. I think you'd only get one or two of these gift cards. I purchased one of them and ended up saving myself an extra $10 at Lowe's. 
Starbucks was also running a promo for every Thursday in December. They were offering a drink between, I think, 12 and 6 p.m. for 50% off, which is a pretty good deal and ends up saving you like three or four dollars, depending on what kind of drink you get. So I was pretty busy, though, in December with all the travel and catching up on some churns. So ended up only doing that once for four dollars of savings. And that was pretty much it for discounts and freebies in December. So tallying that together, $24 from New York Times, $7.50 from Chipotle, $10 from Lowe's, and $4 from Starbucks for a total of $45.50. All right, so tallying everything up in December, credit cards, there was $250 from Capital One and 45,000 points from Wyndham and 120K from Chase. With banks, it was $320 total from Blue Peak, Upgrade, and Laurel Road. Brokerages, the $200 from Webull. Discounts and freebies was $45.50 from New York Times, Chipotle, and Lowe's, and Starbucks for a total of $815.50 in cash plus 45,000 Wyndham points plus 120,000 Chase points. So not bad. I mean, it's below the $1,000 of cash that I try and go for each month. But I did also end up making like 165,000 points, which if you just redeem those for cash is easily over $1,000 worth of value when it comes to travel. So yeah, I was really trying to kind of take things a little easier in December. I tend to go a little hard and I, I try and make the holidays more of a break than a full-blown churn. So yeah, not bad, not bad at all. But now we can dig into the part of the episode that I've been really excited for, which is the full 2023 end of year tally of everything that I churned. And if you like data, I would definitely recommend checking out the show notes on the dailychurnpodcast.com because I'll have tables and charts there that break down some of this stuff in a lot more detail. But I did want to run through some of the, the key takeaways from last year, which was that I did 171 churns total in my little spreadsheet that I kind of counted. That's about a churn every couple days. It's actually 40 less churns than the year before. And part of that was because I took a break from doing meal kits. Like 2022, you know, peak pandemic, I was doing a lot of meal kits. This year really scaled back and trying to do more of our own cooking. I still love meal kits, but just trying to, you know, buy food and cook our own food for a bit. So that really reduced the number of churns down by quite a bit. But despite that, ended up making $36,000 in cash total for the year. So that's $4,000 higher than it was in 2022. I think it was $32,000 in 2022. But the real winner here in 2023 was that I made two and a half million points for the year, which is almost three times as much as I made in 2022. So really just a, a ton of points. And I kind of want to dig in a little bit and just see, you know, what these numbers are composed of. And that's where things get a little bit interesting because on like the first layer down, when you start breaking down some of these numbers, it looks like I made $24,000 from brokerages. That's two thirds of the cash earnings were from brokerages and $20,000 of that 36K was from referrals. So more than half of the money was from referrals. And, you know, if we stopped there, we wouldn't get the full picture because I was like, what happened? You know, why? so many brokerages 
Why so many referrals? That's not normal. That's not how you know my previous years have looked. And the the quick and dirty for what happened is that Mumu happened. So if you remember from the Mumu episodes earlier in the year, the recaps, I ended up making a lot of money from Mumu. I made fifteen thousand dollars just from Mumu referrals, and that is highly unusual for just one company, one churn to make. That much money, like this, is definitely by far the biggest churn that I've ever done, and it was all thanks to the crazy Mumu referral promo they ran last year, where they were giving out three hundred dollars for referring someone, and the person referring just had to join and deposit. I think it was a thousand or five thousand dollars, so very easy requirements, and then they also get three hundred dollars. So you can imagine how popular of a churn that was, because. Who doesn't want to join an app brokerage that takes a couple minutes to set up and make three hundred dollars? So it was really easy to refer people. It was really easy to tell my friends, like, "Hey, just download this app, and we'll each make three hundred dollars." So I reached out to a lot of people to do that, but also from the podcast, you know, like people hear about this and they're like, "Whoa, this is a great deal!" You know, usually you get fifty, maybe a hundred dollars for doing one of these easy referral bonuses. Three hundred is unheard of. I think Albert was the Only other company that did something as crazy as that back in 2021, where they were giving like $750 for a referral. But Moomoo's was definitely up there in all-time best referral bonuses, and so I went really hard on it. You know, I think it's one of those things where if you find a play that is extremely lucrative and it also works to your strengths. It's in your best interest to just take it to the extreme because one of these plays can sometimes be more profitable than all of your other churns combined. Like I did 171 churns, but this one Mumu churn made me fifteen thousand dollars, which is almost half of all the cash I earned from churning in 2023. So finding one thing and hitting it hard seems to be sort of the key. And you only really need to find one of those a year to really bump up your earnings. And for me, last year Mumu was that play. But that also made me kind of curious as to like what would this have looked like if there was no Mumu? What if we just excluded Mumu from my numbers? How would that look? So surprisingly, it doesn't actually look that bad. I mean, the cash obviously takes a hit—a fifteen thousand dollar hit. So I would have ended up making twenty-one thousand dollars in cash from churning, and it would have been spread out a lot more reasonably. Like eight thousand dollars would be from banks, eight thousand dollars would be from brokerages, and brokerages because I did a couple really big brokerage bonuses last year. There were a couple Wells Fargo ones that paid out, I think, twenty-five hundred dollars each. The rest is just sort of spread out amongst credit cards, cell phones, freebies, and discounts. So a much more normal-looking distribution. And then from referrals, out of that 21k, only five thousand dollars would be from referrals. So a much more normal, like 25% of the earnings is from referrals, rather than if you include Mumu, it's like over 50% of my earnings is just from referrals. So you can see how Mumu really skewed the numbers quite a lot, and the way the numbers skew is going to be dependent on which big play you end up doing for that year. And mine just happened to be Mumu referral bonuses. Then, if we keep following that train of thought, where Mumu's excluded, the kind of breakdown of that 21k between myself and P2 is that let's see, like roughly 14k was from me. 
and 7K was from my P2. So I made about two thirds, 66% of the earnings and P2 made the other third. And that's, I think, also pretty normal when you have a P1, P2 and you're doing all the work between P1 and P2. You're sort of just like managing your additional players for them. Then if we move on to the points breakdown, so with points, that was actually completely unaffected by Moomoo. The two and a half million points is two and a half million points even if Moomoo didn't exist. And the way the points were distributed, it was pretty even across like American Express, Capital One, IHG, Marriott, Southwest, and Wyndham. But the big, I guess, outlier would be Chase because the majority of my points I made, 1.3 million of that, so more than half of it, was Chase points. And the reason behind that is that because Chase also had an outsized play, which is that Chase Inks have been for the last couple years and still are one of the best credit card offers around that you can do because it has the highest spend to points ratio. You're getting like 90,000 points for only spending $6,000. So another way to look at that is that pretty much every dollar that you put on that Chase Inc. while you're earning a sign-up bonus, 15% of that dollar is being funneled towards Chase points. So really great ratio. And on top of that, when you refer someone, you get 40,000 Chase points. So if you have a P2, a second player, it becomes really easy to just refer each other and make 40,000 points every time you refer on top of the sign-up bonus. And yeah, that's what we did. And a third of my points came from my P2. That said, I know not everyone has a P2. They're just kind of doing this churning game in single-player mode. And so I wanted to kind of see, hypothetically, you know, if I was single, I didn't have a P2, and I didn't refer anyone, and Moomoo didn't exist what would these numbers have looked like? And so once I factor all of that in, you know, get rid of my P2, get rid of all my referrals, get rid of Moomoo, I would have made $10,000 in cash plus 1.1 million points. So obviously not as high as what I did end up making, but it's still pretty impressive. I mean, you're making almost $1,000 a month in cash as a single player, plus almost 100,000 points each month. So still definitely, in my opinion, worth doing, even if it's just you. And it probably would end up taking you less time because I, I spend about 10 to 15 hours a week churning, but that's between myself and my P2. So if it was just me, I think I could keep it to like eight hours a week or under. So one day of the week just spent churning and make $1,000 plus 100,000 points each month. That's a pretty good hourly rate. So yeah, that was the rough high-level breakdown of where all the points came from and how it was distributed. On the website, I've got it broken down in you know much more granular categories of like what turns specifically contributed to which, um, the difference between P1 versus P2, and what did P2 end up doing versus P1, and referrals versus no referrals. All of that good stuff is in the show notes, but I didn't want to get too bogged down with it in this episode because I did also want to leave enough time for the fun bit, the fun bit that I've been looking forward to, which is the podcast recap. Things like how many listeners does the show have? How many subscribers? How's the whole deal subscription thing going? And all that stuff, because this show is pretty new. I only started it like two, two and a half years ago. And I've, I've made it a point to be pretty open and transparent with everything. And part of that is sharing how the show is growing each year because I don't really do any marketing. So any growth from this show is thanks to you telling someone about it and them listening to the episodes. So it's kind of interesting to kind of see like how that looks 
And yeah, it's been a pretty interesting year. I have, let's see, a little list here of some stats that I thought you might find interesting. There were 94,000 plays total in the year. So across all of my episodes in 2023, there were 94,000 plays versus 64,000 plays the year before. So I think that increased by 50%. I mean, there's no hockey puck growth here if you're familiar with like startups and stuff. You know, this isn't this isn't a startup and I'm not trying to make it into that. It's more slow and steady progressional growth, which is how I'd prefer it. Because if we started like chopping up these episodes and posting out the tidbits, you know, on TikTok and getting a lot of users, I think a lot of these deals would start dying very quickly, you know, the things we discuss here. So happy with the current pace. Roughly each episode gets around 3,500 plays. Three quarters of the plays come from mobile, a quarter of that on desktop. About 60% of all the plays are from iOS and only 10% on Android. So I guess this show is more popular with iPhone users. And yeah, a third of the plays are coming from Apple Podcast, a third from Chrome or Safari, so desktop. And only 10% is from Spotify and 6% from Pocket Casts. Yeah, shout out to the folks using Pocket Casts. Some other fun facts. The top episodes of last year was once again ANA. I actually recorded that ANA episode in 2021, but even in 2022, it is the most played episode with 8,000 plays. It basically doubled every other episode in terms of plays. And that episode was the one about how to book ANA first class suites. I could see why that was really popular because I, I shared some secrets in there of, of how you can go about doing it. Since then, things are mostly the same, but there's also been some interesting new developments on that front. So I've been thinking about doing a follow-up episode to that because we're also currently in the process of booking Japan again for 2025. And since I recorded that in 2021, I think, there's been some changes, you know, like Aeroplan now lets you book one-way ANA flights, award flights that release at 355 days. So not 331, but 355. Japan Airlines actually has come out with new first-class suites as well. So I'm also now kind of juggling and considering booking with JAL if ANA award availability doesn't look good. Yeah, all, all kinds of like little updates like that. And so, yeah, if you guys are interested, I'll, I'll probably do an episode on that in the next month or two. But in terms of top episodes, the second most played was actually the, the 2022 recap. So last year's version of this episode with 5,000 plays. And third place was a personal favorite of mine. It's the Asking for More episode. I think I mentioned that earlier in this episode as well, but that one got just over 4,000 plays so far. And it's a newer episode too, so I expect it to kind of increase. But it's my personal favorite because it just has so many things in there that are going to be generally useful for you in life, whether that's asking for hotel upgrades or suite upgrades or upgrades in general, but also just like how to get things done when you have to interact with people. Like how I was able to get 12 people to share a shuttle together was part and parcel, you know, using skills from that episode. So loved hearing everyone's data points as well on that episode of them practicing the any chance you could method out in the real world and having it actually work. That always warms my, my little churner heart. 
Finally, with podcast stats, I also had a, a request from a couple of listeners, John Jacob and Void27 over on Discord. They wanted to see like, how are these fire-related episodes, the financial independence retire early ones? I've been doing a little series called The Big Churn recently. So I had a couple of those posted. They were curious, how are those received? You know, like how many people who churn are also interested in fire? And at least on my end, the only thing I can see is just like listener stats. And at least from listener stats, there's not really any noticeable difference. Each of those episodes are sitting around 3000 plays each. They're newer, so they haven't hit that like 4K average yet. But I haven't seen like a noticeable drop off of people being like, oh, I don't want this fire content. Let me just not listen to this episode. Because I think there's a lot of interesting gems being shared that you can apply to other episodes as well. So... I can't tell, though, if that means there's a good overlap between churning and fire, which I think there is. But, you know, the data is not the best because the thing with podcast analytics is that they're not that accurate because a lot of people just have their podcasts on auto download on their phones. And so whether or not you listen to it, it's going to show up as a listener stat on my end. And that's like a pretty common complaint amongst any podcaster is just like these analytics aren't super useful. More reliably for me, the kind of analytics and stats that I look at and care about a little more is newsletter subscribers. So I have a newsletter. It sends out show notes and notifies you about new episodes. And, and there's a nice dashboard that kind of shows how many people have subscribed and total subscribers. So I wanted to share some of those stats with you, which is that we are now at 2,200 total newsletter subscribers. That was up from 1,000 at the end of the year before. So pretty cool. You know, it's just, again, slow and steady, minimal marketing here. So things are just like a nice little up ramp towards growth. There's also the new deals subscription thing that I launched, which I'll cover a little more in a little bit, but there's currently about 350 people subscribed to that. So what is that like one in five, one in six people subscribed to a newsletter have decided to join and pay for a deal subscription. And that's pretty cool because that's the thing I've been working really hard on for the last, I think, six months. If you're not familiar with it or you're, you're newer to the show, I launched that in July, I think, of 2023. So about six, seven months ago and had very low expectations for it going in. It basically just started as like a private email list where I would share deals. But now it's kind of evolved into just a full blown private Discord community and I'm honestly just really proud of where it's at now. Like it took a lot of trial and error and some mistakes along the way, but I, I feel like I've learned a lot through that process. You know, the main one being that building a community is, it's pretty hard. There's like so many different ways that you can fail at that. Like if you ever tried starting, you know, your own kind of a chat group or Discord or Slack, when things are too small, like you don't have enough people, there's just no activity and it's kind of like crickets. But once you go to the other end of the spectrum, I don't know if any of you guys are subscribed to some YouTubers. They often have a Discord. They have the opposite problem where it's like they have sometimes like 200,000 people in their Discord server. And yet they have the same issue where there's no activity happening. And you're like, why is this so dead? And it's because that YouTuber has no time for Discord. They're out there making YouTube videos. And so what I've learned is that coming in with a community, having enough people, like a critical mass, but then also being active and setting a vibe in that community 
is so important, and I could not be happier with the current vibe of our Discord. I'm just very grateful. You know, everyone is so helpful, whether you're new or you've been churning for decades. So I'm very surprised and grateful with the way things have turned out. And we only have a few hundred members, but it's more active than some of those Discord servers with hundreds of thousands of members. In fact, I think we have the opposite problem of there just being too much activity. I think people have compared it to like drinking from a fire hose and you know, totally honest, it can be overwhelming and you sort of feel FOMO because there's so many deals being posted and you're like, man, I'm only doing maybe like a tenth or a quarter of these. But I think it's a good problem to have. You know, I'd rather have this problem than the other problem. And so one of my goals for 2024 is to really focus on building and improving the community in a way that makes it easier for you to drink from this fire hose. And I got a bunch of different ideas, like one of them being adding a pinned guide to each channel that kind of summarizes the most important bits so that you don't go in and immediately feel overwhelmed. You can read the guide and, and figure out what to do. And also maybe like a monthly Discord recap sort of like a best of Discord where it summarizes some of the things that you might have missed over the month if you're not in Discord all the time. I've also thought about adding like a bot that can keep track of which comments are getting the most reactions, upvotes, and then give out prizes each month, like free memberships and stuff to the members that are the most helpful. And yeah, tons of different ideas. I'm very open to suggestions. But the TLDR is that the big focus for this year, for 2024, besides obviously continuing to make the podcast and make interesting content that you want to listen to, but is to build and improve that Discord community because 2023 was all about just getting enough members together to form that community in the first place. Happy to say that we have enough members. We, we don't need more members. You know, I think having too many members can also be a problem, especially when it comes to some of the deals that we're discussing in there. But the goal is to make it more valuable and useful for everyone involved. And I guess quick tangent though, I just been wanting to like mention this for a while, which is that I'm really glad we ended up going with Discord over Slack. Like we took a vote back in August, I think of last year and the majority ended up voting for Discord. And I know there's still some debate about it. I think a lot of people still really love Slack and you know, every other churning group is on Slack. I think we're the only one on Discord. But for me, the biggest benefit that I've seen with Discord is that Discord was made for community building. Slack is made for work and it's great for it. They have threads. Threads are awesome for quickly like parsing information, but it's a very get in, get out kind of approach towards your interactions. Whereas Discord is for hanging out and chatting. That's what it was made for. You know, sharing knowledge is done in a less work-like transactional manner. You know, so if you've ever wished that you had churner friends or someone to share referrals with or maybe find a P2, I think Discord is better for that because it focuses on community. And I'm a strong believer in the platform you pick helping to shape the vibe that you want. Because if you give people a download button, you're going to get Reddit. You're going to get our churning where newbies are scared to post because they get downloaded to oblivion anytime they like ask a question in the discussion thread or vice versa. You give people an app designed for work, you're going to get people who churn like it's their job. You give people an app made by gamers, 
it's a bit more fun. It's a bit friendlier. You know, that's what Discord was made for, was for helping other gamers chat about their games. But the downside too, though, is that you're going to be bombarded with information because Discord was made for 16-year-olds who can handle and want that level of information. But I'm hopeful that these monthly Discord recaps and pinned guides will help like corral that information a little bit in a form that's more digestible while we still keep like the essence of Discord, which is community building. And so that's also, I think, a good segue into the announcement that I promised at the beginning of the episode, which is that one of the things I've wanted to try this year are annual plans, more specifically running a big sale on annual plans for the first time. We've never done annual plans before, so I wanted to make it available for a couple weeks just to kind of try it out and see how it goes. Because one thing I've noticed is that some people sign up, they check out the deal posts, they never sometimes even join the Discord and then they leave. And I get it, you know, maybe deals is not for you, totally fine, but I feel like you're missing out on a huge piece of the pie. It's like you go pay for a movie, you watch the trailers, and then you bounce. Like I make a churning podcast and I'm learning something new on that Discord every day, but I get the Discord can feel like a lot. And if you're not used to Discord, It's a lot of new people. It's a lot of new messages. There's a lot of new deals. It takes time to get used to. And so I really want to try and encourage people to stick around, to participate, to ask questions, maybe answer someone else's questions, really just become a part of the community because with community, you get what you put in. And sticking around for more than a month is not only immensely valuable to you, but also to everyone else. We're all experts and noobs in our own things. And so putting together that many people is sort of like having access to your own library of churning knowledge. But you can only really tap into that if you participate in the community. So I really wanted to try out annual plans for the first time because I think that could be a potential way of bringing in people that are invested and who want to participate. And to help incentivize that, I wanted to run a massive sale on those annual plans, which I think should also help address the other piece of feedback that I hear from folks who've left, which is, you know, the cost. We're all churners here. We all want a good deal. And so this this is the announcement that you've been waiting for, which is that we're going to run the biggest and maybe only sale that we'll ever run on the deal subscription. It's partly to celebrate deals not being in beta anymore. So this is sort of the, the official launch, but also... I think it's nice to do at the beginning of the year to kind of kick off 2024, right? Because if you've had a resolution like me to make more money churning this year, I think this might be an easy way for you to achieve that. And of course, careful what you wish for, because there is a lot happening in the deals discord. But getting back to the sale, it's only going to be available for the next two weeks. So up until the next episode comes out, at the beginning of February. So this is sort of a a trial run and I wanted to do a sale along with that. I'm not sure if and when we'll be doing annual plans again or if we'll be running another sale. But if this is something you've been wanting to sign up for, you can head over to thedailychurnpodcast.com slash deals to access the sale. 
And if you're already subscribed to Deals, no worries, I've not forgotten about you. The site that I use, Ghost, the platform, it only lets me run one sale at a time. So unfortunately, I can't like display multiple sales for folks who have already joined. But if you check your email, you'll see a link to sign up for annual plans at an even bigger discount than what's publicly available. And basically, the earlier you joined, the bigger your discount. And that's just sort of a small way for me to say thank you for those of you that have supported deals back when it was still a beta and it was called Deal Alerts. And there was only like 50 of us on a on an email list. So Really appreciate you all for helping make an awesome 2023. You know, I know it's not Thanksgiving, but I, I'm immensely thankful for everyone's support, whether you're just listening to the show or you're subscribed to the newsletter or you're a part of the Discord community. Like it all helps and encourages me to keep making this show. And I'm super excited for 2024 and all the churns that we're going to do together because my 2024 is already off to a pretty busy start. January has been pretty crazy with churns. And so we'll cover that in the next episode, the January recap. But until then, yeah, happy churning, happy new year, happy 2024. And looking forward to catching you all again next time. Thanks again for tuning in. See ya. Thank you.